time, it's for real. Welcome to the Sons of History Podcast. I'm Dustin Bass. And I'm Alan Joaquin. And I'm going to be talking like this the entire episode to make it seem extremely professional. What do you think? You kind of sound like Batman, but yeah, go ahead. Joker! No, I can't. Now, when you said Batman, I wanted to come up with a line from Batman. Um, and I can't even think of one. Wait a minute. Which Batman are you referencing? Christian Bell or Michael Keaton? Uh, the Christian Bell. There we course. go. Um, yeah. It's not who you are, but it's what you do. Something like that. I don't know. I used to have that voice down. I think I got the Bane down pretty good. Yes. Let's, Let's go on with the show. <laughs> I think so. I think we can continue. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are a day away from the final day of casting your votes. Election day is tomorrow. Could we have timed this thing any better, man? I think we timed it perfectly. Could I mean, just could not have done it any better. I think it's a miracle Unless, from the heavens. I think so. I think it is a sign. A I, definite sign. A definite <laughs> sign. Providence, even. Yes. Rhode Island? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All That's right. where uh, Lloyd Christmas is from, right? Ah, yes. That was a interesting movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorite, probably my favorite comedy of all time. Speaking of movies, shall we begin? Well, yes. Why don't you go right ahead first? And I'm, I'm just glad I got rid of that. I tossed that voice that I was going to try to do, although I wasn't going to try to do it. It was all a ploy, much like one of the, a lot of the things we've been running into this election season. Regardless, book and movie recommendation. My book recommendation is one I read the other day. It's pretty <sighs> grotesque, dark. Uh, and yes, I'm off the Halloween bandwagon because Halloween ended this weekend. Hope you had a good one. Um, and a safe one, but this one is called The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. Have you ever, uh, have you ever heard of H.H. H. Holmes? I, you know, I can't recall. Is that the guy who wrote uh, Winnie the Pooh? Yes. Yes, he was in Wild, <laughs> oh, and he wrote, wait. he wrote it in Blood. That, that, that's A.A. <laughs> a. Milne. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, different guy, yeah. I think. No, H.H. Yeah, H. Holmes is, uh, I believe, considered, I, I believe, considered the first serial killer of the United States, um, or at least one of the first. Real dark stuff. I, I, I've never heard of him. Yeah, so um, it's a so what Eric Larson does is he takes two prominent stories, or one prominent story, and then another story that is of interest and ties them together because they were happening simultaneously, right? Okay. Um, and so he sort of ties them ties them in together. And this one is about uh, Chicago having the World's Fair at um, at their location, right? They had won the location to do the World's Fair, and then at the same time, this guy H. H. Holmes was uh, savagely killing all of these women. Uh, so, hmm. yeah, yeah. No, I don't think I recall anything of the sort. So, but uh... well. Interesting because I want to make sure that I got the name right because that would be really weird if I said H. H. Holmes and it wasn't H. H. Holmes. But anyways, my my book my book recommendation is this one. It was it's a really interesting read. Um, 
And my movie recommendation is The Mancurian or Manchurian Candidate. 1962 or 2004 version, whatever. Um, I think 1962 would probably be better. But I've watched them both. It's been a while. But, hey, you never know. We may have a Manchurian Candidate on our hands. So, what do you think? Yeah. I thought we've had one already, but that's, uh, you know, I think we've not, it feels not like we've had a one. few. Yeah, no, but not this one. I would, uh, my, well, my first thoughts a few years back, but, uh, I won't get into it. That's all, all in the past, I guess. <laughs> Too late. Already got into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So that's a pretty interesting move. It's actually extremely dark, interesting movie. And, I don't want to say, like, based in reality, but to an extent, based in reality, like, that could definitely... Anyways, it's weird, you know, especially if you've got the whole MK Ultra type stuff, that type mm-hmm. of thing, which I am quite certain, you know, the, the Nazis and the commies did stuff like that, definitely. So who knows? Who knows? All right, those are my recommendations. Okay, my... Um, actually, I have a recommendation, and then I have kind of an anti-recommendation. Uh, the recommendation is going to be the book. Uh, it's called A History of Ancient Israel and Judah uh, by Miller and Hayes, two different people. Um, an interesting read. I've been I've been kind of going through it. I, I always like to sit and see what uh, good reads in Amazon people have to say about it. Um, you know, everyone kind of, you know, giving it like about three or four stars, some five, uh, some saying it's too dense. I, you know, I, I find the whole history of ancient Israel quite fascinating. So for me, it was pretty much an easy read. Hmm. Um, you always want to be careful because, uh, I, I did notice that much of what he was, much of what they were saying is like, well, you know, there's no proof of this. There's no proof of that. Um, I feel like they were a little reluctant on the whole Moses and Exodus thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's always good and from a historical point of view to to get different to get different sides, provided it's not like your Howard Zinn, where they're deliberately trying to uh, um, push deceit mm-hmm. or lies. Uh, you know, this one seemed like, a, you know, it seemed like an interesting read. I would say I would say give it a shot. Uh, you know, don't don't rely just on that book. Read other books if you would like. Uh, there's also Josephus. Uh, then, hey, you got the Bible itself. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Now for my anti review, um, the men who anti recommendation, the men who built America, the frontiersmen. Now, I sat and watched this the other day on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. I believe Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, involved in this. He's a, an executive producer. Uh, pretty good history to some extent. However, they, it, you know, you sit and you watch it, and it's always America bad, everybody else good, whether it's, it's the Mexicans or whether it's the Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're always good, always good, always America, always bad. And... You know, making uh, several of America's founders and America's leaders just looking like they're just cold-hearted. Let's let's kill everybody, and and they're not they're not taking anything in context. They're not taking into um, you know the wars that took place. They they don't you know like when they talk about like what happened with Mexico um, that you know the war with Mexico mm-hmm. failure to discuss so much as to why. Um, 
why there was a war between America and Mexico. Uh, deliberate, there were deliberate attempts where there, where some of the historians were sitting and saying that the fighting that took place, the initial fighting that took place between the U.S. and Mexico was not on American soil. For one thing, it was disputed. Okay, um, now historians will tell you, yes, it was disputed because uh, with the Treaty of uh, Velasco, mm -hmm. the Rio Grande was considered part of the United States. And the Mexican army did cross the Rio Grande and they went into territory claimed by the United States uh, to fight uh, American soldiers. So uh, they, of course, put historians on there that were just matter of fact saying that was not American soil. So you walk away thinking, man, America really you know, did stuff that was not cool. Yeah. Um, huh. Nothing on there stating that it was, you know, that it was a dispute or, or, you know, that that territory was disputed, that it was claimed by Texas. It was claimed by the United States. And, you know, had, you know, had Santa Ana won and beaten the Texans at San Jacinto, mm -hmm. then the results of his victory would have been accepted by the by the government of Mexico City. But because they lost, mm -hmm. well... You know, it's like a football game. Oh, well, since we didn't win, we're not going to accept the rules or kind of like an election. Uh, well, you know, we're not going to accept the rules. So, you know, Texas was saying, look, we, we won. We we captured the, this, the disputed er territory between the Nueces and the Rio Grande. It's, mm -hmm. it's part of Texas. You signed the treaty, two of them, in fact. So, yeah, it's I just didn't I, I didn't like that part and just okay. throughout and the way they made Andrew Jackson just look like all he wanted to do was just kill people, kill Indians, yeah. kill. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, and and you, I think to it. an extent, when you when you have stuff like that, you got to look at the, the EPs and the directors, um, just like you would look at who is the author of a book. Well, yeah. Who's the, yeah, who's, this the case, who's a historian? This, and, yeah. you know, do they do they skew things? Yeah, and so well, that's again, the that's a, what sucks is like they they have these in and you know, they put them out and, and millions of people watch it, and it is all about what's omitted. It really is because it leaves you with this idea of a country or a person or a group in particular, um, and it's not enough context. It's a shame. That that is that's exactly correct. That is exactly correct. You know, it's. The, the the areas uh, the areas that were captured during the Mexican American War mm -hmm. were were I, I don't want to say they were completely unoccupied yeah. but you know it it was it was land that that uh, Native Americans Indians that had nothing to do with Mexican uh, with the with the central Mexican government the central Mexican government had no authority mm -hmm. well I don't want to say they had no authority but they they had no control over these lands. Now, the only people that were able to control these lands was when uh, Anglos yeah. showed up. And, and that was the reason why Mexico even invited Americans into Texas was to kind of create a buffer. Yeah. To con because they could not control the Native Americans who were raiding um, Mexican, federal Mexican towns and forts. Well, no good deed goes unpunished, right? All right. Well, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to harp on your non recommendation any any longer than we have to. So let's move on to the topic at hand. We've All got right. the election, which is tomorrow. Um, your viewpoint. 
When do you think we'll have results of who is the pre- who's officially the president? Well, the, here's the problem: is uh, that John, uh, John, what's his name, John uh, Roberts, mm-hmm. sided with the liberals in the Supreme Court to allow counting in Pennsylvania to continue for an additional three days. Right, because he's a genius. So, uh, for that reason. I don't think unless along with unless, four other justices. <laughs> well, un, unless the uh, unless it's a total landslide by one candidate, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we're going to know until maybe the weekend, and even then, it might still be disputed. Yeah. So I think we're going to have a revisit to the uh, 2000 election again, so uh, unless unless they have unless it's like a total annihilation of one candidate like we saw in 1984 mm-hmm. or, uh, or 1972. Yeah. So mm. there you have it. All and, right. and I, I literally, I literally want to say thank you, John Roberts, you jackass. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we, uh, got, got you on record for saying that. So, yep. Yep. If I ever meet him, I'm going to call him a jackass to his face for not just for this, but uh, for a number of, you know, for a number of reasons. For a n- number well, of reasons. Maybe yeah. the, uh, you may want to do that for the other four as well, not just Roberts. Well, no. And here's why the other four, they are in their heart ideologically to the left. Right. So now, do I like them? No. But you knew what they were going in. Correct. Um, John Roberts has decided to become the new Anthony Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Now he, his reasoning for what he's doing, I've heard two different things. One of them is, is that he absolutely hates Donald Trump. The other thing is, is that, well, you know, he's just trying to, he doesn't want the Supreme court to look like a rubber stamp for, um, the conservative or the Republican president. Either one of those reasons tells me that he's a gutless person for even coming up with that decision. Yeah. Uh, that's not how you, um, if you're in the Supreme court, that's not how you're supposed to run things. You're supposed to run things based on what's constitutional and what Mm -hmm. is not. If you're sitting there trying to preserve the integrity of the court and that sways your decision on how you're going to, uh, decide a case, then you're a, you're a gutless little rat. Wow. That's that is how I feel about John Roberts. All right. Uh, you know, if, if all he's trying to do is. So if, if, John, if you said that to John Roberts and he was like, oh, I'm real scared. What would you say? Yeah, you're scared. I'm not see that in your eyes. Why don't you no, shut no, no, up no. for a second and let hey, me do my line? Hey, hey, you, hey, you know what? We're going to move on. All right. I don't even want to hear any more about John Roberts because you're just going off on a tangent twice in a row. And I've had it. You've ha- I've had it with, you know. The, the frontiersmen, the men who built America tangent, and I've had it with the John Roberts tangent. We're moving on. Globalism. Let's talk well. about globalism versus nationalism. Because your little, your little attitude right now, I can give you a little attitude adjustment, okay? All right. Let me tell you what I think of globalism. Those people out, in, you know... Is that what you want? Or do you want me to be like, oh, I wouldn't mind a different. I wouldn't mind a different tangent. All right. <laughs> globalism versus nationalism. I like where uh, now, you get your definitions from too. I, I well, always appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know the uh, the Google 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 the uh, Google 
Google's definition of nationalism used to be different than, say, DuckDuckGo's. Um, it would specifically state in their fascism. Uh, I, I don't remember Nazism, but I definitely do remember seeing fascism. So um, you, you have to if someone's going to ask you, hey, are you a are you a nationalist? You have to respond. Well, it depends on whose definition you're using. Mm hmm. So this is why, you know, globalism is going to be pretty much um, it's going to be pretty much the same uh, uh, for both of them, uh, where you're pretty much giving more thought to global policy and to, you know, the whole world more so than your own country. And that that could be economics, that could be politics, that could be that could be. You know, so I will go ahead and read the definitions if you don't yeah. mind, since you're. Not going to Google yeah, has, go calls it globalism, the operation or planning of economic and foreign policy on a global basis. Your buddy DuckDuckGo, I, I, I'm almost ashamed that we even have these definitions. That was Google and DuckDuckGo, but I, I'll slap you later. A national geopolitical <laughs> policy in which the entire world is regarded as the appropriate sphere for a state's influence. The development of social, cultural, technological, or economic networks that transcend national boundaries. Globalization. An ideology based on the belief that people, goods, and information ought to be able to cross national borders unfettered. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Obviously, one is doing a much better job defining things. Um, right. And then we have nationalism. Nationalism, according to Google, is the identification with one's own nation and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. Patriotism, xenophobia. Now, patriotism, xenophobia, do they have that in there as the definition? Uh, no, they put them in there as kind of like synonyms. Wow, okay. And DuckDuckGo says, Loyalty and devotion to a nation, especially a sense of national consciousness, exalting one nation above all others and placing primary emphasis on promotion of its culture and interests as opposed to those of other nations or su supranational groups. Now, that one I, I tend to agree with. Um, mm -hmm. But the Google one is freaking... It is... It, that's interesting that Google's definition of nationalism is a push towards globalism. Yeah. Now, now both of them, I did notice both of them um, do have the, the Wikipedia's definition also. but Which uh, is a joke. I don't know why we have yeah, that either. Yeah, so I, I just, yeah, so I left that one out. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so, so... We've had this discussion before on the difference between globalism and nationalism. And, well, we've had the discussion of nationalism then and now, right? The nationalism prior to, uh, I would say, 1914, 1920 um, was very different. It was along the lines of what DuckDuckGo defines it as loyalty and devotion to a nation, right? It's like right. You, you want to secure your nation's culture. And people who are like, nation's culture, you know, hey, we're all, look, every nation has their own culture and it behooves a, a, a country to secure that culture and maintain it. Otherwise, you have various different cultures coming in and usurping the national culture. Now, that doesn't mean that those who come in cannot still practice the culture that they grew up in, whether it was from Mexico or China or India or Russia or whatever, right? They can still, you know, obviously this is a, uh, the country of freedoms, so you can still practice those, but there needs to continue the idea of assimilation, 
You need to assimilate to a country's culture. It's just like you and I have talked about in in, uh, episodes past that if we were to move to another country, we would assimilate with the culture. Now, it doesn't mean that if we move to India, that we would assimilate with Hinduism, that we would start practicing Hinduism or um, Islam. What it means is that we accept the country for what it is and the cultures that it, it provides. So we don't go in trying to kick the door down and saying, all right, time to usurp all this, which is the, which is the goal of globalists and the goal of communists, which are also known as globalists, but really evil globalists, <laughs> if you will. Right. Well, you know, I mean, when I was on my uh, honeymoon, uh, we, we had to make, we, you know, we honeymooned in, honeymoon in France. Honeymoon in uh, the Soviet, oh, right. No, no, not the Soviet Union, in <laughs> France. So when we were in France, you know, um, I told Jennifer, uh, don't rush the waiter. When you approach any Frenchman, always start off with either bonjour or bonsoir. And then, you know, ask them in, in French if they speak English. Don't just start speaking English because they don't like that. And I said, like, you know, if we go to a restaurant, sit down, wait, don't rush. This is not going to take an hour. We're going to be here for two to three hours. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you have to kind of assimilate to how they do things rather than sit and demand, you know, you're going to do it my way, you know. Yeah. So that's – I just thought I'd throw that one out. Now, yeah. you, we, we we're talking about the two parties that are up for – um, election, mm-hmm. Democrat, Republic, Republican. Um, and you've got Trump, Biden, but you've also got a third of the senators. You got the house and everything else. Um, well, why did we put up nationalism and globalism? For this conversation Correct. or, well, there, there's a reason, there's a reason is because when you, if you are one who, prefers more of a nationalistic where you're like, look, you know, I'm an American. I'm not a citizen of the world. I'm not, you know, I I like the way America does things. Mm -hmm. I left my third world country to come to America because I like the way they do things. That's going to be more on the nationalistic look, you know, keep America first. Um, uh, there was what was it what was it the nafta nafta clearly was not to america's benefit mm-hmm. so trump said you know what we're going to scrap nafta and we're going to come up with a with a new uh treaty with canada and mexico uh then you have the the treaty with china okay the that pacific uh that pacific treaty that we had that uh that that was scrapped mm-hmm. you also had the you also had the paris accords scrapped right Anything, anything that comes across as, you know what, this is not good for the United States. Yeah, the Iran then you're looking, nuclear deal. Right, Iran nuclear deal. Then you're looking at it, or, or, and I know we're going to talk about this uh, with NATO. Yeah. You know, the, just the way we're, you know, I, I, I was watching the debates, and I remember watching Biden saying, you know, we've upset our NATO allies. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't like to be taken advantage of by my friends. I, I love my friends. But if, if one of them takes advantage of me, I'm going to call them out. Right. So so the globalist is going to be more of like, you know, this whole America thing. America is not a legit country. America is is a melting pot, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious, multi-multi-multi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that's your thinking, then you are more on the globalist side. Yeah. You, you want um, – 
I, I don't know where to put fair trade or um, not so much free trade, but fair trade. Yeah. Because a fair trade, it, it's it's similar to this. Let's say you make a certain amount of money in Texas and then they move you to California. Well, you'd better double your salary before you move to California because things are a lot more expensive over mm-hmm. there. Well, it's the same with us. It's if we're going to trade with a country that where the average person makes $1,000 a year, there's going to be kind of a difference in terms right. of But are of, you saying you know, that there is a there's a party that leans towards globalism and a party that leans towards nationalism? Y- yes, the Democratic Party leans towards globalism, the mm-hmm. Republican Party uh, right now under Trump leans more towards nationalism. Now when when Bush was president, Bush clearly he started off his first term and this is my view, he started off as more his first term more as a nationalist, but then I saw more globalism in his second term. Mm-hmm. And nationalism from the perspective of, like like the Trump campaign says, America first. Like, if we're going to do something, it needs to be beneficial to our people first, and the residual benefits hopefully will be there for everybody else involved. The idea yeah. of The idea of nationalism has become so perverted um, over the past half century or more, um, that it's, well, past hundred years, I guess, um, that people, people shy away from it. People shy away from the term. And it's like, it's not a, it's not a bad term. It's you've had some people, um, like you had, you had Hitler and Mussolini who sort of took the, the term or the idea of nationalism and made it into something terrible um and in fact it's it's not supposed to be that i mean it's both nationalism is more or less it's supposed to be just patriotism to the point of look we want what is best for our country and our people uh, and it's not to the point of well you know what's best for our country is to go out and destroy all these other people now it's is this going to be beneficial economically is it going to be beneficial to us freedom wise um so it's uh, that is that's part of the undermining of everything that's been going on in this country. The the push to undermine everything is redefining terms. So we've redefined so many terms across the board, and it's a constant push. And we've talked about the whole idea of democracy. We talked about that last week. Republican democracy and a democracy. It's like we only people only call America a democracy. It's just like you give the wrong perspective to people of what this country is, or you give them, especially young people, it's like, we're a democracy, one person, one vote, but you don't explain the electoral college, or you don't explain the the, the motives and the ideas behind uh, why the founding fathers created the system the way they did, it throws everything off, and people, once you get through with the vote, and you're like, hey, uh, Trump lost the popular vote, why is he president? Because you don't freaking understand because you didn't get taught that and that's done on purpose from my perspective. All right, moving on to oil and gas compared to the Green New Deal. This isn't this is a real problem and it's always this is what I hate about politicians or or politics in general is and we've had Joe Wolverton on the show a number of times and he's always like it all if it sounds nice then then it's probably bad. You know, it's it's a bad idea if it's just like, oh, this is what we'll do. I'm like, well, are you going to explain the possible negatives from it? No, no, no. This is, look, this is for the betterment of the country. 
but you can't explain how and why that'll be better for the country, like the Green New Deal. Like, this will totally destroy the economy. No, it'll just cost however many trillions of dollars to to make that make that change, and how many businesses will be lost. Well, it'll. I love the idea of the Green New Deal. It's like it'll create this however many jobs. I'm like, yeah, because it will have destroyed all these other industries and all these other people will be out of work. You freak. That's why you're saying that you'll be able to, you know, it'll create this many jobs because everybody else will have lost their job. It's so dumb. I just don't get it. And people are like, yeah, I like that idea. You hear, hear the promise? Don't listen to the promises. Anyways, we've got one one party that is more or less oil and gas. Another one that is Green New Deal, um, which if you read the Green New Deal, which I did, it's asinine. Did you ever read it? No, no, I haven't. Uh, no, I've read. No I've need read to even waste your time, really. It's yeah. just, it's so dumb. I think Mike Lee does a great job. The senator from Utah, when he did sort of a, um, a satirical moment on the Senate floor uh, discussing the Green New Deal. Did you ever watch that where he has Reagan on the uh, the Raptor? Oh no! I just uh, I I read I read what some of the things uh, were in it. I but I'd not I didn't read the whole the whole thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it, watch that, uh, watch Mike I, Lee's. Uh, it, he did that a few couple of years ago. I think two years ago it? when uh-huh. the Green New Deal was first introduced, or a year and a half ago. It's freaking hilarious. Well, I know I know Obama. Um, he was very much into something similar to the Green New Deal. He wanted uh, renewable energy. Uh, you know, Solyndra will always hang around his neck like a, you know, like some sort of albatross. But, uh, um, you know, I like the idea that we can we can phase into a green renewable energy plan. But the problem is, is that government shouldn't be pushing it because government screws things up yeah. you know technology if technology can allow it to happen mm-hmm. and technology can say hey you know what we are now at a position where all our energy can be sustained through um, renewable energy okay yeah i'm yeah. all for it but if, if it can't be done right now then why are you sitting there trying to push government policy mm-hmm. to make it happen right. when the market says otherwise that's a very good point. Yeah, I like that. Well, thank you. So I, I think, you know, it. The, here's what I've always told people. Stick to oil and gas. Stick to nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Let the technology of solar and wind and, and uh, whatever catch up. If When it catches up, then we'll go that route. But until then, stay on the course. Right. Let's, it's it's, it's uh, forcing a square peg into a round hole. Right. People don't want to pay three, four, five dollars a gallon for gas. Right. Okay. Nobody, you know, I'm okay with two bucks. I'm okay. Believe me, I'm happy when it even goes lower than that. Mm -hmm. But I, I, man, I remember just sitting there pumping uh, gas in my car back uh, a few years ago when Obama was president and and fuel was like four, four fifty or whatever per gallon. Mm hmm. God, I was like, this that, This is getting insane. It is, yeah. And it's it's to force you to make demands that cannot be met. So it's to force you to, like, we got to get get out from under, under oil and our reliance on oil. And 
come to find out, we could have been oil independent for <laughs> for all this time. So freaking, yeah. you know, with fracking and, you know, offshore drilling just off our coast, it's just like, come on. It's unbelievable. Um, it, it, and, and that goes back to, to nationalism, making things easier on your own people. Um, and there is, there is obviously the, the party differences between free market capitalism and socialism. And I'm not going to go so far as to say that the Democrat Party is strictly for socialism, but this is a, um, they, they, I think they're definitely wanting a strong mix of the two, which I see will undoubtedly result in total socialism uh, in, in this country. And it's the Democrat Party is our advocates for socialism. And even the ones that don't denounce socialism, my concern is, are those closet socialists? Because you've got some real socialists out there who are, to an extent, it's, oddly enough, they're freshmen, but they're really pushing and, and leading the pack for uh, socialism. And it's odd as well that Kamala Harris is the most liberal member of the Senate Democrat Party. And she's running for vice president with Joe Biden. You saw the Nora O'Donnell interview? No. Oh. Oh, the 60 you, Minutes? The, you should see the laugh. Nor, uh, yeah, the, the uh, laugh. Com- you know, I saw the clips from that. Like, yeah. are you for... <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's just, yeah, she's looking at her. And... I wish I could answer questions like that. Ask me a question. <laughs> are you or are you not a member of the Socialist Party? <laughs> <laughs> Alan. <laughs> Alan. Uh, hmm. That's funny. I like that. You like that? I I'm like gonna. That. I'm gonna start answering questions like that. Uh, can I? Uh, okay. What are the first? Um, what are the digits to your credit card number uh, to make this payment, sir? Oh. Are you stealing from our company? Oh. <laughs> 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 Uh, oh. All right, I think everyone gets the point. Now. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh. All right. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Oh, I remember that. That's Seinfeld. Yes. <laughs> Hello. La-ta-ta. All right. But free market capitalism, there is an ongoing push. Oh, God have mercy. Dude, when I start talking and then I think about how other people think at the same time, Mm -hmm. I get really irritated. But anyways, that was a moment just now. Um, Free market capitalism continues to come under attack primarily from, obviously, the left. left. Um, But there's like a lot of young people who are like, you know, anti-free market capitalism. And I, I, I did an, I did a conversation with Morgan Zeggers a, a while back, about a, probably about a month, month and a half ago, maybe a little more, um, talking about how millennials are in favor at like an 80%, 85% click of free market, right? The free enterprise. But it's like less than 50% are in favor of capitalism. But 
a vast majority of them are in favor of socialism. It's like, darlings, you can't have the the two. The two do not mix. A free market enterprise system and socialism are mm-hmm. antithetical to each other. And that's my concern is the left, which the left pretty much runs the education system, especially in college, but even, even in... Um, high school as well. Like the left pretty much runs the systems and they're being taught that capitalism is bad. Like capitalism is wicked. It's like, no, there are wicked people or greedy people who indulge in the capitalist system. And yes, they're, you know, they will get wealthy off of the system, but it doesn't mean that the system is bad. Socialism is a system that is constructed like wickedly. Like you take from the system requires that you do take from other people. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to take, because if you're, you know, even this whole thing with democratic socialism that I keep hearing, oh God. I, I have to sit and tell people, okay, do you understand that, uh, the, the government does not create businesses. So if you're going to have socialism, you have to take a company that, exists right now and you have to take it away from the owners Mm -hmm. and make it a a government-owned company yeah and even then you still don't have a decision you still don't make a decision on how the company is run Mm -hmm. because now the state the government is the one that's going to make the decision yeah so it's it just boggles my mind and then at the same time i sit and i watch these commercials on tv saying, oh, socialism is good. Without socialism, we wouldn't have roads. We wouldn't have the police. We wouldn't have the fire department. So stupid. Schools. And I tell, yeah, I mean, I like to tell people that's not socialism. Okay, now maybe the schools is more, school is run kind of in a socialistic way. but That's why it sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you have money, are you going to send your kids to a public school or to a private school? And you know what? They can sit and say, well, no, that's not. No, no, that that is a legitimate question. Mm -hmm. If you had the money, would you put your child in a government run public school or in a private school? Now, you know, the if you look at what a lot of rich people do, Mm. they answer they'll they they will tell you one thing, but they'll do another. Kind of like many of our presidents, uh, (laughs) the, uh, the Clintons, the Obamas. Yep. They sent their kids to private school. The only one who didn't. The only one who didn't. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy, Jimmy. Carter. Jimmy Carter sent Amy to a public school. So, you know, I, I respect the guy. I think he was one of the worst presidents we ever had. But I, I respect Jimmy Carter. There's something about that guy. I respect him because he's he is an honest guy who lives by the, the dude does things that I wouldn't even want to do. So. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm not going to criticize that guy. Sucked as a president, but as yeah. a human being, fine, fine, fine human being. Yep. So there, in its, there is the divide. Do you want the free market capitalism, which is limited government control? And there are people who want more government control. It's interesting that they want more government control because they feel that people are... Um, they're just evil, they're they're wicked, they're, or they're greedy, and they will take advantage of other people. Yes, that's true, but guess what? Those people 
um, those are the same types of people who are in the government. They're human beings. And so the thing is, is like, if you have a socialist economy, it is the government running the economy. You have no advocacy after that point. If somebody takes advantage of you, it is the government that is taking advantage of you. And who are you going to go to to complain about the very... That's like, the, the government doesn't like to investigate themselves, you know? It's like the Justice Department here here over the past couple of years. They don't want to investigate themselves for all the corruption that they've, you know, had. So it's like if you if you change from a capitalist system to which is the private industries um, going back and forth, you know, buying and selling consumer product uh, within each other, private individual to private company. Well, if that private company does you wrong, one, you can go in, in various avenues to get some type of justification there. But at the end of the day, if things go terribly wrong... If you have to sue, you have an advocate with the government. Mm -hmm. But if you have a socialist economy, the one that's doing you wrong is the same one that you have to try to go to for advocacy. And good luck with that. That's why it never works in any in any country. Well, one of the many reasons why it doesn't work is because the government does not care that they've taken advantage of you on, on that scale. Much like they don't really care if they've taken advantage of you in so many other areas, like the IRS. Anyways. Well, here's a question, and this is a legit question. Mm -hmm. Have you ever lost something in the post office? Yeah. Okay. Did you ever get your money back? No. 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 I have had many stuff lost in the post office, and I've, I've emailed them, I've called them, and... Crickets. Yeah. Crickets. Okay. Now you go to a you go to a, a private business. UPS, FedEx, yeah. Very different. They will yeah. bend over backwards to find that lost product. Yes. But the post office, forget no. it. You, why? <laughs> because it's a secure job. Right. It is it is security there. Like, and that is the final part of your advocacy. If you lost something with UPS that was incredibly valuable and they lost it. And they're like, sorry, there's there's nothing we can do. You can sue them for losing that product. If it's you know, if it's something like, look, I have to get I have to get some type of financial um, restitution for this. I cannot believe you lost this. Blah blah blah. Well, you have an advocate with the government that will intervene on your behalf. And that's why it's so dangerous to have a socialist economy. It's like. Goodbye advocacy. Goodbye justice. You know, it's it's one of those, it goes back to Madison's Federalist Paper 10. It's like if, if all men were angels, governments wouldn't be necessary. And if governments were run by angels, there wouldn't be any need for checks and balances. Correct. Um, all right, let's move on to radical Islam versus quote-unquote all radical religions are the same. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, you know, if you point out, you know, like what was it just a few days ago, we had an attack in France mm -hmm. where uh, an Islamist stabbed, uh, I believe, some people and beheaded one lady. Right. In beheaded. A yeah, in, a in a church. Beheaded. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, we hear the same thing. Well, you know, all, all, uh, all radicals from all religions are all the same. A, a, a radical Christian is just as dangerous as a radical uh, Muslim. And I'm like going, uh, no, 
for one, the numbers aren't there. And number two, all, yeah. yeah. I mean, how many, when's the last time you hear that a radical Hindu or a radical Jew went and uh, beheaded somebody, right. uh, you know, in a temple or, or something like that? Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't happen now. We, we recognize the fact that, yes, there are a lot of Muslims in this country mm-hmm. who, who, who follow the Constitution. You know, and, you know, this does not apply to them. Right. So if you're if you're one of those, you just look, I just want to make some money. I want to raise my kids, mm-hmm. you know, and let, so they can be good citizens. I want to follow the Constitution. Hey, welcome to America. That's that's exactly what the founding fathers wanted. Mm-hmm. But there is a large element that clearly and, and, and you can look at election after election. And I believe uh, I don't know if it's the Pew Research where they found that a, a sizable, sizable either majority or sizable minority prefer Sharia law. Mm-hmm. They can um, sit there and defend any type of terrorist attack because the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. So that you, you really have to be kind of careful there, because even if it's like point. Zero zero one percent. You're still talking about tens of thousands of of people that you don't want in your country. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, President Trump put in place um, this uh, kind of I don't know if you want to call it a boycott, not a boycott, but where he said, if you come from such and such country, you cannot come in here because that country, they, they can't vet the people that are coming in. Mm-hmm. There's no vetting process. Yeah. You know, like, uh, let's say out of Syria, okay, who, is there a Syrian government that can sit there and say, oh, yeah, this person, he's he's a good person, uh, let him through. Or maybe in Libya or yeah. Somalia. Th- there's no vetting. There's no vetting. So he he came out with a list, and I and I want to say, wasn't North Korea one of those countries? Yeah, there was, uh, there were seven countries, I believe. Okay, so he's just saying, no, you can't, you cannot come here now. Mm-hmm. You have other countries, Egypt, Jordan, you know, that that are our friends. Mm-hmm. They have a history of friendship with the United States. Um, they're not in Morocco. They're, they're not on that list. Yeah. But. Any type of any type of an attempt to say, look, we have we have a certain element that we have to be careful of mm-hmm. is squashed by the left. Yeah, you're not even allowed to have a logical conversation. It's like, okay, look at what's happening. Mm-hmm. Do you really? No, no, no. Look, the percentages, the percentages. Like, I don't yeah. want a half a percent of yeah. ISIS members coming into this country. Like, you have 60,000 people are coming in, you know. Like, they, they are not. Like, yeah, I know a, a vast majority of them are are not a vast 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 majority of them are not it doesn't matter if you get one in and then if you get like one percent or half a percent just like and i think that's one of the things that that helped uh hillary clinton lose is that she was promising to bring in a vast majority of the syrian refugees in and that scared the hell out of a lot of people because they're like oh well, yeah, can, can we vet all those people? It's like, and yeah. what, here's what's here's what's real bad, is that people felt hesitant to even ask that question. Yeah, and like, can, oh, can can we can? We? Which is why you you have so many silent, you know, voters. You're like, 
uh, I'm not going to say anything. You know, I'm just going to vote. Or, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with the Democrat Party, but, you know, and then they go vote Republican because they don't want to deal with the, the backlash. But it's like, like, like... Yeah, look what happened at 50 Cent. Oh, yeah. And, and um, uh, Ice Cube. Ice Cube's oh, getting Ice Cube. And then Lil, oh, Wayne, Lil yeah. Wayne's getting, getting murdered, too. Just yeah. like, because you can't have... I, I remember a Chance the Rapper. He said that, uh, I think it was beginning of this year or sometime last year. When Kanye, uh, I think it was last year, when Kanye West went went off and, and started promoting uh, Donald Trump. And then they were all going after him. Uh, like a lot of people were going after him. Uh, and then Chance the Rapper was like, look, just because, you know, just because you've always voted, like black people don't always have to vote Democrat or something like that. I think that's what he said on Twitter. And he just got destroyed. And that's the thing is like, I think people are really, really tired. And this is towards the end of the conversation. I think we need to pull out, but I think people are tired of not being able to have the, have the conversations that they need to have. And, and this is one of them. Like you're telling, you're trying to, you're trying to convince me of something that I know is not true. It's like radical Islam is not the same as, as radical Christianity or radical Catholicism or radical Judaism or, you know, it's not the same. And don't try to convince me of that. The the methods are different. The numbers are astronomically different. So don't try to convince me of something that with my very eyes, and it's one of those, you know, the famous phrase like, well, who are you going to believe me or your lion eyes? (laughs) (laughs) So were you doing that with the, with the laugh after I asked you a question? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what, what I, what I, I invite people see for yourself, watch, uh, it was on the Bill Maher show. You had Sam Harris, who is an atheist, mm-hmm. and Ben Affleck oh, get yeah, into a debate. That. Yeah, get in. They got into a debate about uh, radical Islam. Watch it and see for yourself. Yeah. If you, if you don't believe us, watch it and yeah, see for yourself. Yeah. That's all I'm. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. That's about a, that. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good uh, example to see how the conversations are not allowed. All right, China. Yeah. China's been a freaking pain. Well, they've been a pain since you know turn of the twentieth turn of the middle of the twentieth huh. century. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've been a pain for uh, what seventy years now, seventy one yeah. years. So, and then when they got into the World Trade Organization, thank you, Bill Clinton. Um, it's gotten so much worse for us mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, and I, I, you referenced me to ch- the China threat. Yes. Um, I read that book, Mind Blown, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't read that book, you need to freaking read it. It's about the Clinton administration and China, and the Clinton administration continuing to say China is not a threat. Now, that'll that'll really open up your, your eyes. And then you have the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and it's just a continual letting China go free, and now all of a sudden they ran up against it with President Trump. And Trump was like, nah, we're not really going to do that. And... People are like, well, they he can Trump continues to praise you know President Xi, uh, and you know really talk highly of him. Like, yeah, read his book Art of the Deal, and it all makes sense. It's like that's what he does. I mean, he and he's been doing that. He's taken his business strategy into the White House, and it's worked. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. Like you know, North Korea, you just belittle, 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 and then meet them, build them up. You know, hey, we can really work together. And it's the same thing. It's like it it's a strategy that he utilizes and it's been 
and it has been working. But China has continued to be a thorn in America's side. Was it 80 to 85% of all um, espionage from proprietary uh, purposes has been China. Uh, you've had the Confucius Institutes here that the American government have, you know, turned a, a blind eye to, allowing them to set up shop, uh, allowing them to get away with so much, and then also allowing them to, like, have trade secrets and, you know, weapon secrets, all this stuff. I just don't get it. And I don't understand why our government has just propped them up all this time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think China could be as powerful as they are today had it not been for the United States propping them up. And what 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 have we gotten for it? Exactly. I mean, what's the return on investment here? Because it's not very good. Yeah, it would be like me and you, right, hanging out. And let's say that I need somebody to work for me with my, my company, with my small company. And you bring in this guy who is, let's say he's just a felon. He's been caught, you know, stealing from companies countless times, can't be trusted, um, just mean spirited. And I come to your house, you invite him over to your house, you represent him or present him to me as this really good guy that can be trusted and he's a hard worker. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, if he does he fit all the requirements? Like, yeah, yeah, he does this, does that. And then I hire the guy based on your recommendation. And then all of a sudden we I realize this guy's stealing from me. This guy's ruining my company. All because this idiot by the name of Alan Joaquin <laughs> recommended him to me. And that's what America did. When they were like, yeah, let them into the World Trade Organization. It can be trusted. It's all good. They've been vetted. Yeah, here's, here's another example you could have. Uh, I'm not making this personal or anything like that. But uh, let's say, for instance, you hire a man to uh, run the Houston Texans to be their coach. Uh -huh. and, and he sucks. Right. And he trades one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And we suck. And what do you do? You promote him to general manager. Hmm. Yeah. Now, how does that work out? I don't know. I mean, hopefully no team would be stupid enough to do something like that. I, you know, it sounds familiar. Like some one, there was a team out there that did exactly that. I can't Real weird. place a name on it, but yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So there we go. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things like, what do you want to do? Do you want, don't, if you're, here's the thing. Trump has been, a destructive force within politics in general, even within the Republican Party. I think that is has been extremely obvious because the Republicans didn't really do much fighting over all the jobs going over to China and, and abroad. Well, now it's this totally different push. And like, now we got to bring jobs back over to the U.S. We got we to gotta stick it to China because they been doing way more than sticking it to us. They've been doing all this crap illegally um, with espionage involved. But it's like, do you, do you want to continue to swallow that tough pill to swallow and get, get things move still moving in, in the right direction from my perspective? Or do you want to go back and say, you know, it's status quo, despite the fact that, you know, you, 
you may always say, we need to remove the status quo. It's like, no, the status quo is to let China do whatever it is that they've been doing for however long because the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. Because why? Well, job opportunity isn't there. So don't give me this horse crap about, well, you know, it's like, it's hypocritical. It is, I'm sorry, it is hypocritical to justify China. If you're from the perspective of the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poor. Right. That's and then, you know, how I view it. Yeah. yeah. I have so many other issues with China, uh, Nepal, uh, not Nepal, Tibet, Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, the they're just a of, the wicked regime. Taiwan. Yeah, the treatment of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then all those islands that they're building. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's the South China Sea. South China sea. sea, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, I'm sorry. They're they're not our friend. They, no. they are not our friend. And then now with the COVID-19, um, you know what my view is? We need to undermine that that country and find a way to overthrow it. That's That's my view. Well, my Rather view than- is 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 leave it alone and 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 let everyone else learn. Leave this country alone. Mm-hmm. Do not deal in business with this country. And I think a lot of eyes have opened up across the world. Like this country is not a friend to anyone, not even their direct neighbors. Like you said, Japan, Korea, um, Taiwan. India, you know, freaking India, they went head to head for a little while there. Yeah. Right on the border. Even Vietnam, communist Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Like China is not anyone's friend. They're, they they are their only friend. And we're talking about the Chinese Communist Party. But it's like, well, it's not the people. Well, okay, it, it may not be the people by and large. But if you've been indoctrinated for however long to believe in the party, like the party is more or less your God, and you can go off on the Catholic Church uh, from that perspective, it's like they've they've made adjustments with the CCP and, and Catholicism there. It's like we have to get rid of the first commandment and the Ten Commandments. Um, so it's like if you've been indoctrinated and brainwashed to believe a certain way, chances are there are going to be a ton of people who will be loyal followers absolute loyal followers and i have a friend who i'm talking he knows a lot about china he was there for a long time he was like yeah like they don't understand why hong kong is protesting and, and doing all this stuff and they believe that those people deserve what they they get now this may not be all of china obviously but it's it's a lot especially in the major provinces it's very interesting man yeah so NATO, let's move on to NATO. And that's another thing. I would Back on China, real quick, it comes down to how do you want America to deal with China? That's that's the question. It's like, how do you want them to deal with China? So if you're like, kick back, lay, you know, lay back and relax. All right, well, you're going to you're going to pick you're going to end up picking Biden, but you're going to end up losing a lot uh, in the long run. In the short run, you're probably going to lose um, with China. Um with with the Trump administration, but you know it is it is what it is. It's like who do you want to play with in the in in the in the yard in the schoolyard? Do you want to play with the uh, the kid whose upbringing is trash? All right, move on. NATO. <clears throat> um, NATO was the uh, friend that you took to dinner mm-hmm. that uh, skipped out on the check. 
Yeah. That's my thoughts on NATO. I look, I love NATO yeah. and and I believe in NATO, although mm-hmm. I kind of wish that uh somehow we work things out with Russia uh so that we wouldn't need NATO, but yeah. as of right now we do need NATO until mm-hmm. Russia can be our friend, but uh we cannot carry the weight and take care of all of them. No. So Trump called them out and said, look, you guys are not, you're not pulling your weight. Mm-hmm. You're not doing, you're not, uh, no, we're not. He was like saying, we're not, we're not going to sit and uh, uh, help you guys out if you're going to keep doing this. Yeah. We're not going to provide all of your defense and y'all mm-hmm. just make money. Your economies are fine, but you're not putting any of your money in your defense budget. And it's supposed to be required 2%. And I remember when he first got into office, I think there was, I think there was two countries in NATO that had kept their their two percent agreement. All the others had had not. Um, and this is a, I think this was at the end of last year. This was a new, from a Newsweek article. It says nearly all twenty nine NATO members have increased their defense spending since Trump came to office, and at least sixteen of the twenty nine are on track to meet their twenty twenty four defense spending goals. Defense spending among twenty seven NATO allies has increased consistently between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen, with Hungary, Norway, Romania, and Turkey making some of the biggest increases. So it's like he came in, kicked the door down, and said, "You guys are going to start fitting some of the footing some of the bill or." You're going to be SOL. Mm-hmm. And they're like, is he serious? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. So made changes. Now, yeah. Now, Necessary now changes. And people need right. to understand this. Like, but those are our allies. Yeah. Well, guess what? Aren't, aren't we supposed to be the biggest allies of America, our own country? It's like that money's coming out of our pocket to, provide defense for all these other countries and they're not going to spend their own money don't get me started alan i know i know and you know we're we're having to go over there get it over there <laughs> no I, no i don't <laughs> i don't get it. Uh, well, uh, you know the world war one over there we're, we're having to go over there to help them out to provide them defense mm-hmm. I was kind of reminds me of George kid. Washington. I was a yeah, little George, kid during uh, World World, War. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. I, I remember uh, when that when that eleventh hour, eleventh day. I was I was out celebrating. Yeah, it was hey, eleven, eleven, eleven. Yep. Um. Yep. All right. Let's let's try to swing through some more of this stuff. The borders and illegal aliens. Um, illegal immigration has dropped dramatically. Um, the promise on the border wall has not come to complete fruition, but there have been 400 miles added to the border wall, despite having to fight, uh, Congress in particular, the Democrat party who had been claiming to be for securing the border border for the longest period of time. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, we're not going to do it. It's xenophobic. It's racist. And like, wait a minute, what? All of a sudden it is. I don't make any sense. You've been saying the same thing that he's saying that Trump's saying now. Like you can go to to Schumer, to Nadler, to Pelosi, all the the big wigs of the Democrat Party were saying the same. Even Obama is saying the same thing. Got to secure the border. We got to stop illegal immigration. And all of a sudden you get somebody coming in and like, hey, um, I know you guys have been saying this, but now we're actually going to do it. 
And yeah, it's real weird. People need to keep in mind, like, because there's the argument, like, well, it's only 400 miles. Well, there's hundreds of miles of unpassable terrain you have to keep in mind. It doesn't have to go all the way across the border. So that's something that needs to be kept in mind, too. That, now, is that 400? Is that what's already done? Yeah, that's been by since Trump took over, or is that including what was already there? Because I no, know that no, no, no. I think a... that is that is brand that is the since he's been in office. Okay, because I know that there's a border uh, border wall up near San Diego, mm-hmm. and which everything I've read is is that it has been quite effective, at least in that part of the uh, country. Yeah. Well. I mean, according to Jim Acosta, it's not a problem. Okay, uh, so taxes. Yeah, I want to raise your taxes. Do you yeah. want? I mean, who who says that on the campaign trail? I know I've never I've never heard that before. Uh, I did, Walter Mondale. Well, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Walter Mondale. Walter Mondale said that in 1984, and look what happened to him. Exactly. You got ran. You know, roughshod. <laughs> Yeah, close. yeah. He uh, what was it? He had D.C. and Minnesota, and that's it. Which D.C. He, is speaking of? D.C. has never, ever, ever voted for a Republican since they've been able to vote. No, they never have. And it's not even been close. The closest it's ever been was when Eisenhower was running, and that's probably because he was trying to figure out who he was, what party he was going to join. Well, yeah, but D.C. didn't vote. Um, they, they didn't provide any electors. I, I think it was not until 1972. Well, regardless, I, I, I think um, from a percentage-wise, as population goes, uh-huh. there, there was, I think, I think 76% still voted for the Democrat Party. And that was, the, like, the, the highest. Right. Like, 24% was, like, the highest a Republican received from the D.C. area. So, um, yeah, taxes, look, if you, if you want higher taxes, that then, okay, that's real weird, but I know that there's an argument like, well, more taxes means more social programs for people who, who need help. Um, it's just like, well, when you take more taxes away from people, more people end up needing more social programs for help. Yeah. So if you, you, if if a company is going to be able to hire more people, mm-hmm. then you don't need social programs. Yeah. Exactly. Because because if there is uh, if the unemployment is say three percent, mm-hmm. then companies are going to be more willing to pay you more to lure you in. Right. Better. But if you have high unemployment, then companies are like, eh, you know, we don't need to give this guy a raise, or we don't need to give him that much money because. Yeah. Uh, if if that person doesn't take it, somebody else will. Right. But you have you have high 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 employment, very mm-hmm. low unemployment. Companies will start to raise the wages so that they could attract the good people. Precisely. And you know when unemployment rate is high, it comes down to well, you better be glad you got a job, son. Yep. Now get That's to work. Exactly. And just quit your complaining. You complain one ex- more time, you're fired. You know it's That's like exactly. you, you got your balls in a vice. So you can't do anything when the unemployment is so low means the competition is fierce and people want good workers. So you can compete at a much higher level. Um, you got the obvious um, Second Amendment versus gun control. You got pro Second Amendment 
side and gun control side. Yeah, you already have where Biden has stated that he's going to put Beto, Patrick, whatever his yeah. name is, uh, as his guns are or something very similar. Right. And, you know, Beto has already stated, are we going to take away your AR-15s, your AK-47s? Hell yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah, because he's a dweeb. Right. I, I'd, I'd really like to see him try. Yeah. I would love to see him try because, boy, is he going to be in for a surprise. Exactly. Like, look, not everybody, you know— utilizes a, uh, a skateboard as a, a defense device. You know, big skater. There guy. you go. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, it's whenever, whenever you have more infringement on your, on your gun rights, it is an infringement on your ability to defend yourself. And I think I would like to think that common sense is eventually has, has eventually now settled into people's minds to where the question of, Protection from who? <laughs> mm -hmm. I would I, like I, to think that that's not a question anymore. It's just like, dude, the cities are on fire. Like, groups yeah. are going and rampaging neighborhoods. And like, yeah, but protection from who? Um, those people? Criminals? It's like, does it make sense now? Like, it's for self-defense. And when you strip people's away, people's ability to defend themselves. Well, yeah, but you don't need a gun like that. Who are you to say that you don't need a gun like that when you're living in a nice neighborhood? Like I live in a nice neighborhood. I, I have at times left my garage door open in the middle of the night and my garage, you know, door is unlocked. Look, nobody knows where I live. Alan, don't flip out. I know, but I live um, in a very, I live in a very safe neighborhood and so I don't have to really worry or concern myself with making sure that my AR-15 is completely loaded. And, and you know, and I, all of my guns are like set and ready, you know, for discharge. No, but there are some areas in this vast country that are extremely dangerous. And there are good people that live there and they need to be able to defend themselves. And for you to be like, you don't really need to defend yourself. And I always see it as like these, like white uppity people oftentimes are saying this stuff. And I'm like, shut up. You, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. You didn't grow up in a, in a rough neighborhood. You know, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. And I, I know, like, you got to be ready to defend yourself. Pretty much like boxing. Defend yourself. Be prepared to defend yourself at all times. Yeah. And people who come in and be like, no, I don't think you need that many guns. I don't think you need... Like, okay. You know what? Just go back home to your nice secluded safe neighborhood and but don't talk for don't try to talk for everybody who actually is scared every time they have to walk home from work or from school well that the whole oh you don't need you don't need mm -hmm. now, you know it's not it's not up to you to decide what i need and what i don't need correct okay i don't tell you what you need to do with your free time mm-hmm you don't need to tell me what I need to when what I need to have in my home. Correct. Because if I'm not bothering you, mm -hmm. leave me alone. Right. So there's so that. that's the choice. I mean, what type of uh, like it, it is your choice if you want more gun control, or if you want to be able to protect yourself um, with fewer restrictions. Now, then yeah, and, and you know the, the the other thing I always hear every time I get in a debate is 
I'll hear them say, but we need to have some sensible gun laws. Well, we have 22,000 gun laws out there. Hmm. 22,000. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're not going to enforce those 22,000 gun laws, I don't think 22,001 is going to make much of a difference. Right. Exactly. That's why when they were we had that conversation on the on the red flag laws, it's like this is no good. And I was really pissed off at Dan Crenshaw for advocating for it. Mm-hmm. Like this is, here's a Navy SEAL guy who supposedly gets the Second Amendment, and he starts advocating for the the red flag laws. Like get out of here. And so that you know that's no good. But you have to keep in mind like who is advocating for it. So it's it's true. It's like enforce the laws that are on the books quit trying to come up with more laws to where all it is wake up everyone all it is is a push to get rid of guns altogether and you're like well it works in uh australia do you see what the hell's going on in australia how the government has gone nuts on their own people yeah and there is zero fear from the government against the people right i have family in australia and i can tell you that they are pissed because they can't even leave their homes. Mm-hmm. They can't go. Uh, first of all, they can't even cross the state. Like uh, my family who lives in Victoria can't go into New South Wales. They can't go into South South Australia. They are stuck. Mm-hmm. They have to. They can't go more than I think it's either three kilometers or three miles from their home. Yeah, and somebody I think was fined like sixteen thousand dollars for getting because they had to get medicine but they didn't have like a cbs type of like a pharmacy in their three mile radius or whatever and they got fined like thousands of dollars for getting out of of their radius i'm like what a freaking jacked up country that's become all right become anyways become i don't I'm think sure so. i'm sure they wish they had a second amendment right now but hey, precisely that's story. yeah all right religious freedom uh, we've talked about this a lot. We probably don't need to bang the, the drum too long, but religious freedom is obviously under attack from groups outside of the government, but also there are parties. There is a party in particular, the Democrat Party, in certain states that are like, they don't even, it seems, even care about the First Amendment or religious freedom in, in general, just from a conscience standpoint. Like, so if this is the party that is seemingly anti-First Amendment and anti-Second Amendment, you know, what's 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 to keep them from being anti all of them? I don't get it. It's like you're shutting down churches willy nilly. You're coming up with all these crazy rules and don't even get me started on Newsom's rules for Thanksgiving. That's freaking weird. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Oh, my gosh. That, like, that's pretty insane. And and to enforce it, to enforce it mm-hmm. is just, is that what you want? Is that's that what the you question. Want? It's like, is that what you yeah. want? Like, pay, like, but I, I just, I think it just comes down to people where they don't pay attention and or it is this. They want Trump out of office so bad that the ends will justify the means and we can go back to life as it was before it's just like look baby the toothpaste is already out of the bottle you're not putting that back in yeah <laughs> i like that that's uh you know thank you interesting oh man that's gonna be good good sound bites um 
Now, it's funny that we were talking about Australian people locked down because let's talk about healthcare and we'll tie in the COVID 19 and swine flu. Hello. Go healthcare. for it. Healthcare. All right. Healthcare. Uh, let's see. We had the Obamacare where you were forced to buy insurance mm-hmm. or you paid a hefty fine. And I believe you were in that category, were you not? Because I I've had healthcare through my business. Yeah, no, I uh, I ended up I was in that arena, um, and luckily I had insurance uh, covered by by my company for the time being, until I think it was the last year, or maybe it was the first year of uh, maybe it was 2016 or something, but didn't have insurance or somewhere along those lines, but it was a year and I was like, ah, great. Now I'm going to have to pay a fine or whatever. And I think that like the first year, like the fine was like a hundred bucks or something. And I ended up having to pay the the fine. Right. So it was a limited, it was a minimal amount, but the next year was going to be much more hefty. Luckily they took out the mandate by the time that rolled around. Yeah. But, so like it's, but people will be like, don't you have car insurance? I'm like, well, yeah, and look, I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, the, the whole car insurance thing, but at the same time, it's like that directly, you get it because that directly affects affects somebody else. Health insurance is what affects you only. It doesn't affect well, other people. If, you're, if you participate in driving, yes, you have car insurance. Right. If you do not participate in driving, let's say you're under 16 or you're elderly or, or you just don't, you live in say New York city or San Francisco and you don't need a car. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, then no, you don't need, you don't need uh, car insurance. Right. And it, it comes down to like, look, I don't, I don't need health insurance or I don't, I can't afford health insurance right now. You can't put that on me. You can't force me to do it because me not having health insurance does not affect someone else. You're like, well, what about the rising health costs? Baby, I'm not affecting that. My health is good. Stellar. The ones that are affecting the healthcare costs are the people that you're like, why in God's name are you standing in front of that cash register in a McDonald's? Yeah. Oh, you can't. Yeah, you know, they're they're poor. They can't afford uh, real food. Um. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you I can. Mean, Sorry. You, I, but yeah, you I mean, can. I, I go to the grocery store. I, I mean, I see the price of food, and mm-hmm. uh, it's you can get lunch and meat that's good quality that's going to last you for a Look, week. Without a doubt, like so, Jared and I we go to lunch. Without a doubt, when we purchase from the grocery store, we save way more money than going out. Even if we just went to Waterburger every day, if we went to Waterburger every day or purchased enough food for the week from HEB, the grocery store, we would save, it would probably be half the cost. So it's like, don't give me this. Well, they can't afford, groceries are not expensive. Canned goods are not expensive. The meat is not that expensive. Like they've got the the, the cheaper meat and then they got the fine cut where you get it from the butcher himself. Okay. I never go to the butcher because it's too expensive. So don't give me this. There are arguments that that do not stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. Healthcare. Healthcare. Unbelievable. So no, I don't. I don't want to be forced to. One, I don't like being forced to do anything that I feel is is unnecessary. You had to convince me 
of that. It's sort of like, you know, wearing a seatbelt. Like, I don't like the fact that that's, that's required by law. Like, if I don't want to wear a seatbelt, I don't have to wear a seatbelt. Will I pay the consequences if I have a wreck? Yeah, chances are that I will. But I don't think it should be law that you can just, like, willy-nilly be like, hey, yeah, we're going to pull over, pull you over, and uh, give you a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt. Just like, if I'm flying through a stop sign, yes, give me a ticket. Because that could definitely impact somebody else. Yes. But it's like, okay, uh, you don't want to wear a helmet while you're, you know, riding a uh, motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. It doesn't bother yeah. me none. Exactly. And, you know, it's like you're and, riding a motorcycle anyways. Like if you're on the freeway and you fall off, well, best of luck. Yeah. And I don't know if that helmet's going to do much for you, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, hey, look, if you, if you want to die, then, you know, not wear a helmet. You know, it's, it's like you can persuade somebody to wear a helmet mm-hmm. without forcing the government on them. Correct. So you can just provide the evidence of, of okay, here's the pros and cons of it. Yeah. And which reminds me of my favorite song. Do you want to die? You remember that? You know, I think I do, but I don't remember where that's from. I don't know the band. Now, uh, listeners, if you know it, go ahead and DM us. All right. So COVID-19 and swine flu. Um, yeah. I mean, look, if we had the same, if we had the same response to COVID-19 as we had with the swine flu, I think that 2.2 million would have been hit or at least yeah. a million. Right. Well, you know, the COVID is far more lethal. Not, not I don't want to say it's lethal. It's, it's, uh, uh, what, what's that word? Contagious. Where it's, it's far more contagious. Right. It's not more lethal, but it's more yeah. contagious. It's and more contagious. I am like, just between you and me. Uh-huh. And everybody else who's listening, I'm not. Look, it came out what a month ago, two months ago. Six percent of all the deaths were strictly from COVID nineteen, and you and I have have done our due diligence of looking into this COVID nineteen stuff. And they're they're putting anyone and everyone. Guy flies off, flies off of a motorcycle. COVID nineteen killed him. Guy got shot and killed. COVID nineteen. Uh, died of a heart attack. That was the first one out in California. A person died of a heart attack, COVID-19. It's like, what is going on? The flu, the flu virus? Like, look at the flu numbers. Look at the flu numbers from, you know, places like uh, Japan, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, all of those. And now look at the ones here in the U.S. and everything. And look at the ones in China. I, I did, a, I did a, a video on that. I think I showed it to you um, not too long ago. It's like the flu is completely gone. And now everything has been credited to COVID-19. It's bizarre to me. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I, I, lo- I also looked at, I went to uh, Johns Hopkins had a uh, website. Mm-hmm. It, it's still there. And they stated that I think there were somewhere 81 or 91,000 people claimed to have gotten COVID in China, in red China. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I don't yeah, buy that. I, exactly. I, don't, I do not buy that. I do not people buy who that. believe those numbers are people who more or less is going to believe anything. Well, I mean, uh, some of the debates that I've had from some of my Democrat friends, mm-hmm. they, they're adamant, well, you don't have any proof. I'm like, you know, use a little bit of common sense. It's, yeah. where, the, it's where the outbreak began. <laughs> so In a city of 11 million people. Right. So now, it, you know, what people have to remember is, is that, you know, Biden stated a couple of times that had he been president, you know, not that many people would have gotten COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, he was against shutting down any travel. 
He did not want any travel restrictions between us and China mm-hmm. and us and Europe. He called yeah. that xenophobic. Right. Well, okay, even Dr. Fauci, who's not a big fan of, of uh, President Trump, even said that, that that decision back in January, when they were still marching in the parades, in th- I think in February and March, when he made that decision in January, it saved thousands of lives because mm-hmm. at the beginning, we did not have a handle on how to treat COVID. All yeah. they knew was throw them in a ventilator. Well, oh, you know, the gosh, ventilator was yeah. a, was a, was a death sentence. Correct. All right. Let's, let's put them, uh, let's put all the healthy and unhealthy people in a nursing home. Well, okay. Thank you, governor Cuomo. You yeah. did, you made that decision. Among and now others. Yeah. Yeah. And those were all Democrat things. governors who did that. Right. Right. So, you know, um, now, when when uh, when Obama and Biden were in the White House, we had the swine flu 10 years ago and 61 million Americans caught it. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, the swine flu was not as contagious mm-hmm. as COVID-19. So how can you sit there and say, oh, well, if I were president, things would have been different? Yeah. No, 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 it would not. Right. It would. That is a lie. Mm-hmm. That That's not like, uh, you know, just conjecture or anything like that no that is a lie yeah and and the thing is is like when asked like well what would you have done differently it would have been it's it's all the same stuff like that was already done yeah and it was done at the prior it was done before he actually said this was a good idea to do and it was months later before he's like yeah he made the right decision so you had and and here is part of the problem every it's been everything that trump says or does the opposite must be true. It's the Costanza yeah. effect, right? But it's the Costanza effect without the right effect. You know, it kind of reminds me that uh, Trump should have uh, nominated Hunter Biden uh, for the Supreme Court because then and only then would we really hear about him. <laughs> Beautiful. I was Not- hoping that would be a funny joke. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, <laughs> All right, federalism versus centralism. And this sort of goes um, into what we were saying to an extent at the very, very beginning with nationalism and globalism, but on a national level. It's like, well, I want, we I want, want to hit statewide. it statewide. Yeah. I want to hit it more like, you know, where Biden is saying that uh, we need to have a national mask mandate. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's centralism. Correct. Federalism is where, you know, Trump, you know, Trump gave a couple of examples uh, masks. And what's going on in Seattle and in Portland, mm-hmm. you know, where Trump is like, look, or, or Chicago, where Trump is like, look, we've asked or we've told the, the mayors of Chicago, Portland, Seattle, if you want our help, we will give you that help. Correct. But we're not going to go marching in. Right. That's federalism. Yeah. Because Trump understands we have the Tenth Amendment. You mm-hmm. can't just go in there and send unless it's the federal courthouse that's being attacked. Yeah. Trump, Trump can't cannot just... send uh, federal um, yeah, troops. Unless or... it's an, it's an, 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 it, unless it's like an insurrection that's taking place against the state government as mm-hmm. well, you can't just walk in there. These are not yeah. the saints. You can't just go marching in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank go you. Ahead. I think I think my joke on Hunter Biden was a little bit uh, fresher than uh... your little joke mine was mine was a bit more clever because it happened just quick happened just like that yours took a little time like you were here comes the boom and once it landed i think everybody listening was like think of think of think of my audience which was you 
See, here we go again. And a brilliant audience. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. All right. No, I, I, I agree. Like you want more, you know, you want, you want federalism. You do not want a centralized government. And we've been continuing to march there over the past, I guess, post Woodrow Wilson years. It's like a, just a continual harsh march towards central government, a centralized federal government. And like, you yeah. don't want that. And, uh, I think you and I discussed that. It's like, um, one of the, the founders there in the constitutional convention said, you might as well just lay out a map and get rid of all the borders. Yeah. Get rid of the states and divide it up. Now, um, speaking of uh, the borders and electoral college uh, that we sort of discussed a little bit last week, I want to touch on this because you bring up uh, packing the courts. There was a statement made on Instagram the other day because I put a quick video together regarding the electoral college. And the person was like, if it was the Republicans and they were always losing um, the the election and they won the popular vote, they'd be going nuts too. And I was like, well, that's speculation because one, you don't know that for certain. And two, it's been the Democrat party for the past 100 plus years that have been advocating for changes within the constitution. It has not been the Republican party. And I was, I referenced the 17th amendment. Um, and you could also put in the 16th amendment, but the 17th amendment of changing the way that we vote in senators, they, the progressive party, the progressives of the era wanted to get that changed. They ended up getting it changed. They did it constitutionally, but it was, it was a bad decision. And so they wanted to change the constitution there. Well, FDR wanted to pack the court because he didn't, he didn't think that they were doing what he wanted to have done. It's just like, well, that's why there are three separate branches of power. And well, now you have, you know, the, the threat of packing the courts again and who, which party has been pushing towards getting rid of the electoral college as if it doesn't make any sense. It's like, then, well, if it doesn't make any sense to you, then, then you haven't really done your due diligence on looking at why it makes perfect sense. Like, well, the, it's supposed to be the majority. It's supposed to be majority rule. It's like, no, that is a pure democracy. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't do majority rule, but we do do majority rule, but without doing majority rule. You have majority of the population of each state, they get to vote. And whoever wins the the popular vote in each state, well, they get those votes. But they don't get all of, you know, it's not a across the board, one nation. All the votes count and and you just throw them in, you know, two, two bags and then count them. It's right. like, no, it is a combination of the majority and the minority, which is what you're, that's the, that's the most brilliant thing that you can come up with because it's what everybody always advocates for. Everybody wants the minority to have a voice, but when it comes to having a voice and it doesn't match up with what your politics are, you throw a tantrum and say, let's change it. Let's change the rules. And like, no, you're a hypocrite is what you are. You demand certain things. You demand for the minority to have their voice as they should. And yet when they have it, you hate it. I'm getting real fired up, man. Yeah, you are. You're, you're getting off on a tangent, kind of like me earlier in the show. but uh... Yeah, I just try to keep it short, though. Okay. Do you want to add anything else to the packing of the courts? Uh, no, I think uh covered it. I just don't... 
see the need to have to have more people in there. We've got enough. Yeah, and exactly. Even, I think even, I wish they would pass Ruth, an amendment on the nine. Even, well, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg was against it. And you know what? We need to respect her dying wish. That's right. Yes. So <laughs> turn it into an amendment. <laughs> Um, and speaking of wanting to change things, the Democrat Party, look, ladies and gentlemen, we're not anti-Democrat Party, but we are pointing out the things that the Democrat Party is advocating for, and it's just freaking weird. Like, it's just, like, a lot of the stuff just doesn't make any sense, and this is really recent history stuff. And I think you, you and I have, have had discussions, and look, many historians and many quote-unquote talking heads and former politicians and even current politicians will say there was a time where we could get together and have logical conversations and meet in the middle on a lot of issues. And that time seems to have passed. And it seems to Alan and myself that the Democrat Party seems to be wanting to move more towards the, the, the law of, of, of the globalist society and maybe in towards the UN and less close to the Constitution of the United States. We don't understand it. We don't understand why, why that's happening. And another thing that's it's taking place is like, let's change the rules, is let's turn D.C. into like a state where you get uh, two senators and you get representatives. And let's do that with Puerto Rico too. Why? Why would they do that? Well, we can go back to what we said earlier. Never in the history of D.C. voting... Have they ever even come close to voting for a Republican ticket? It's like, and, and the same thing would, would happen in Puerto Rico. Yeah. It is a power grab. It's so obvious that it's a power grab. Everything. Electoral college. Let's change that. Why? Because it would only benefit the party. Not the people. It would benefit the party. Let's change up uh, how many people are going to be in the in the Supreme Court. Why? Because it would benefit the party, not the people, yeah. not the Constitution. It'd make it much easier to change. And so DC and, well, and the Puerto Rico thing is the same. Well, who gave up the uh, the uh, the filibuster rule on on judges? Yeah, I mean, uh, who brought in the nuclear option? Your old buddy Harold. Yeah. That Harold, whatever from yeah. Harry Harry yeah. Reid or whatever from yeah Nevada. Harry Reid wanted he he changed the rules to yeah. what to benefit the party. Yep, and now they're getting um, they are getting stung by it because it, you it used to be the Supreme Court needed uh, nominees needed sixty votes, mm -hmm. and now it's a simple majority. And yep. who do you think you can thank Harry Reid? Right. It's like when you do things for selfish reasons, it will always, at, at, at some point in time and in some way, big or small, come back to bite you. Yeah. That is what we are seeing today. So, All now, right. we have a large segment of our society um, that, you know, I when I went to high school, we had a, uh, the, the kid who, who won the the uh, the class president, he was black. Mm -hmm. the The school I went to was overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly white and Republican. Mm -hmm. So here we have this black kid who becomes elected president of our class. I got to know him. I've I've stayed in touch with him through Facebook mostly. And now when 
he has unfriended me and he is very angry about uh, how he was I don't well I don't know what's going on with him because now he's sitting saying that life wasn't fair for him and I'm sitting there and I talk with a couple of other people from classmates and they're all saying the same thing what is going on with him because yeah. We elected him class president mm-hmm. in an overwhelmingly majority white class. Yeah. So race relations. So, by the way, I wanted to mention George Floyd had COVID-19. Only person in America with COVID-19 who did not die of COVID-19. <laughs> nice. So Very clever. Yeah. So race relations, you know, I believe that, you know, we we were slowly – heading towards what Martin Luther King wanted, where mm-hmm. we didn't judge people by the color of their skin, but rather by the content of the character. Mm-hmm. But that is, that's no longer the case. You have where they want, um, they, they want to have black only housing, black only safe spaces, mm-hmm. uh, black only graduation, black only this black only that, which yeah. is a move towards segregation. Correct. And, and you have a critical race theory mm-hmm. and you have the 19, 16, 19 project, which is embraced by one party and not the right. other. Correct. And I, I, you know, I, I, and even, noticing... even the, the, the author or the, the editor of it, um, Nicole Hannah Jones, she even admitted like, look, I know this is not accurate because all of these, historians from the left and the right are like this is not accurate this is a narrative this is sort of like fiction or just like opinion this is opinion writing based yeah, on his pol- you know yeah, trying polemic. to turn it into historical fact and it's not and then finally right. she's like well yeah but and then people will you know try to defend it and be like well this is a perspective that we need to understand if it's based on a lie it's not a perspective you need to even pay attention to you need to give yeah. it no time if somebody's lying to your face, is that a perspective you should give time to? You're like, well let, well, let me let me hear them out. Like, what? No, there are some perspectives. If they're not true, you don't need to give any time to go on. Well, you know, we we are moving towards that that place that uh, that um, you know Martin Luther King wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you want to lift people up, self respect. Um, doing well financially, you know, black people were starting to do very well jobs. You mm-hmm. have, I mean, I mean, you, you had very, very low unemployment for yeah. black people. Okay. Now you, you want, you want equality. That's how you do it. You have a black exactly. family, you have a black family that's making money that their kids are going to a good school and then their kids are going to go through the same thing. You know, you're not going to judge them. Oh, he's a black. No, who's who says that? Right. Nobody says that. Okay. You know, I mean, you go to a, you know, I I went with a buddy of mine to this uh, bar before the COVID hit and you had blacks, you had whites, you had Latinos, you had um, Asians and Mm -hmm. nobody cared. Nobody cared. You sit and you talk to, all right, if you're standing next to them at the bar, you sit and you talk to them. Mm-hmm. And you chat with them. Hey, what's hey? You know, are you on Facebook? Yeah, let me get your. You know, that that's that's what MLK wanted. Right. And that's where we were headed. And now we have pissed off people who are sitting saying, "Well, you know, we're we're not being treated right, and that's not fair." And and because and you've got don't... people in in academia and these intellectuals whose their career depends strictly on divisiveness. And yeah. this critical race theory, and like and the numbers, everything must and the be numbers. seen through this lens. 
And the numbers of people that were getting killed by the police, mm-hmm. they were they were not even telling the truth no. because you know, the the numbers of unarmed the numbers of unarmed black men who were actually killed by police. Um, I don't know if it was this year or last year, it was somewhere between nine to nineteen. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's not that's not exterminating the, the black race. Correct. What is exterminating the black race is what black on black crime in places like Chicago. Right. I mean, insane. Yeah, the thousands in, in, of them. Right. And and that, the fact that you've got, and I'm going to touch on this, but you've got Planned Parenthood who has this guise of, you know, oh, it's very kind. Like, oh, oh really? You're trying to help help women with, with health? You're only in like 76% of them are in poor neighborhoods and 300 and something thousand a year for however long. It's been a long time. 300,000 300, plus abortions a year and you're making two billion two billion dollars plus and then you're also getting money from the government it's just like these these the, you want to wipe out a race like look look at that look at those things yeah but no we're gonna we're gonna look look we've talked about police reform you and i we agree that there needs to be some reform. Like we shouldn't be worried about getting pulled over about just any little thing. Let us live our lives. But by God, don't like try to defund the police, especially in in areas where it's incredibly dangerous. I think that's just antithetical to what you want to do. It just doesn't make any sense. It's counterproductive. Yeah. I don't get it, but no, I, I wish that it's one of those things where just people just love to just, chat and talk and and say you know everything is through the lens of race and you're like what are you talking about it's like everything i've got friends like that it's like everything is through the lens of race and i'm like how do you even twist whatever has happened or happening and make it into a race issue everything i just dude i honestly from my heart i cannot understand that i really can't yeah i can't either I can't either. Um, you know, my family, my parents, they came here, they migrated and you know what? They're Americans. Yeah. They didn't speak the language, but, and you know, did we have a tough time? Yeah, we had a tough time. I had a tough time, but I'm an American mm-hmm. and that's it. Leave me alone. And don't, uh, no, uh, don't, don't, don't sit and tell me, Oh, we Lebanese, we need to stick together. Or we Arabs, we need to stick together against, uh, you know, the government. No, no, I am not going there. I am yeah. not going there with you. Right. My brother, my brothers are people who are my friends who love me, who were there for me. Mm-hmm. They're not people simply because they're, they're from Lebanon. Right. So sorry, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. Yep. And this sort of goes into, you know, like, the critical race theory goes into the 1619 Project, the People's Un- uh, History of the United States by Howard Zinn. We, we've talked about that. We got, we're supposed to have uh, Mary Graybar um, on the show here pretty soon, who wrote uh, Debunking Howard Zinn. Um, future of American history. It's like, this is something that um, President Trump has decided to Look, we're we're gonna if if you're gonna teach that sixteen nineteen project in your school, which is advocated by the Pulitzer Society because I think it won a Pulitzer Prize. Wow, how the Pulitzer Prize Society has fallen. But um, he's like, look, if you're gonna teach this in your schools and create radicals, uh, we're not going to fund you. And but they want to create a more patriotic um, 
version of American history, which I completely advocate for. And it really is just going back to how um, American history, maybe not even how American history was taught. It's like a combination of everything. And one of the primary leaders is uh, Hillsdale College. Um, Larry, Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, like he's, he was on a panel, um, not too long ago, a number of months ago with Ben Carson and Mary Graybar and a, and a number of others. And it's like getting back to the roots of what American history is, the good, the bad, the ugly, but we're going to elevate the good in this country because the good has far outweighed the bad. Yes. Like whether exactly. you want to whether you want to acknowledge that or not, the good outweighs the bad in this country from its founding to its current system now. I don't get it, man, but hopefully um hopefully that will really really take hold. Um or maybe just parents need to consider not sending their kids to public schools. Well, they just uh, need, you know, and, and like you were mentioning, yes, we're going to have Dr. Mary Graybar as uh, as one of our guests here mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks from now. And uh, she she will warn you and she will tell you what is going on yeah. with uh, the American schools and, and how it's scary yeah. it, it it's beyond scary because it's like a virus right now. It's mm-hmm. like a virus. It's like covid. Um, it, it's you can't stop it at one point. You have to you, you have to arm yourself and we really have to tell the whole country, the whole nation has to understand what, what you're up against, what, what your children, your children are going to be indoctrinated by these pro Zen people. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, it's like COVID and whatever it doesn't wipe out and kill, it will still affect. Yeah. Kamala Harris, you wanted to mention her? Yeah. I, um, you know, Kamala Harris is in my opinion, well, she she has been rated. We, we were we were laughing about that, about how she's been rated as the most left wing senator mm-hmm. in the entire Senate. And that that does include Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. she she did. She didn't even get one percent of the Democrat vote. And yet we have a candidate for president, uh, Biden, who clearly in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, but looking at him, the guy looks like he's got dementia. Yeah. And there's no way he would be able to finish his first term in office. No, I don't and think then, so either. Yeah. And then you've got the uh, the whole thing with Hunter Biden's laptop. And uh, if things just go to hell, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris is going to be the president. Right. And, you know, there's just there's some serious consequences to having her as president because mm-hmm. she's not a moderate. She's mm-hmm. not a moderate. No. And all these claims, oh, she's a moderate. We got to No, she's not a moderate. When when Nora O'Donnell tells her to her face, you are the most left wing senator. You really need to take notice of that. Yeah. So just think of the consequences. If you're not if, if you don't believe in the left's ideology, you have to sit and think about that and what mm-hmm. the consequences are of a Kamala Harris uh, presidency. And something I heard her say the other day, which I found very, very just odd that she would say this, but she was asked, um, what is going to be more or less your role in the Biden-Harris administration? She said, I told Joe that I would always be there to provide him my lived experience. And I'm like, 
you're the vice, you would be the vice president of the United States. You're not there to hang out or be in a quasi-advisory role. Like, you are the second, technically the second most powerful person in the country to an extent. It's like, I mean, obviously that's debatable, but it's like you're right under the president. Something happens to him, you're the president. It's like, that's all you're going, you're thinking about bringing to the table. I know that's not an accurate statement, but of what, what she was saying, I think that just like a rule like, I don't even understand why she would say that I'm there to, to provide him my lived experience. Like that's what you're bringing to the potential administration. Like that isn't, that has nothing to do with domestic policy, foreign policy. Um, and it has nothing to do with anything to an, to an extent. Like, obviously, you're like, you can give your, your opinion on, on certain things, but like I said, you're not in a quasi-advisory role, or you're not an old pal to, to hang out, to be like, hey, I heard about, you know, you thinking about doing this, here's my, here's my two cents. You would be the freaking vice president. Maybe take it seriously. All right, yeah. dude, I want your well, prediction. My prediction? Oh, what were you um, going to say? Were you, did you have something? Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to. I was going to also mention that you know she is a uh, she. She's against fracking, and uh, she's already stated that uh, if the Congress doesn't come up with a plan, say for like the Second Amendment in the first hundred days, then she's going to start throwing around um, executive orders. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Wild. All right. Uh, okay, so got? my prediction on as to uh, who's going to win? Yeah, presidential, and then <laughs> Senate, and then House. Uh, I honestly, I I can't, I cannot say because I'm hearing differing. It depends on who you talk to. It mm-hmm. depends on which station. I hear one thing. I hear another. I I I do believe, based on the fact that so many Republicans who were hesitant. And didn't vote for Trump four years ago are going to vote for him now. Mm-hmm. You have a movement. You look at the rallies. Look yeah. at everything. It's incredible. It is now. Does that mean though that the Democrats aren't going to have the votes? I mean, you know, there's a lot of new voters out there. Now, the people who voted against Trump, the, the people who hated Trump. Four years ago, hate Trump now. And, you know, their, their vote, they're still going to vote regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I had to put money, I would bet that Trump is going to win. But mm-hmm. there, there's just absolutely no guarantees. Yeah. The one thing I can predict is this, is that I don't think we're going to wake up Wednesday morning and know who won. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Right. Now, if, if one or the other, there's a landslide, well, there you have it. But. You know, thanks to John Roberts, thanks to, you know, all these movements to keep counting for three, four, five days up until the weekend. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to really hurt the country because it's it's like watching a football game and there's a touchdown that was thrown. But now the referees have to do an instant review and whoever, you know, there's no more time on the clock. Mm-hmm. And the game is going to be determined by what the referees are going to uh, say. And right now, the referees are going to sit for three, four, five, six days mm-hmm. before they make a decision and say whether that's a touchdown or not. Yeah, that is where we're at. No, I um, I, I agree with that. 
Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's going to take a number of days after, um, I know December 8th is when you have to have all your disputes resolved. Um, the electors or the delegates have to have all their disputes resolved. Um, and that's when you have to have one chosen. So, you know, a month after I do my, I, I think I predict that it will, I think Trump will win. I, I I believe Trump will win. And honestly, I think he will, I think he will win by the, the same amount as he did last time, as far as electoral wise, if not more. Um, I, I do think it'll be a landslide. That's just from my perspective. You think so? Yeah. I see. Yeah. It, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, you know, and, and the I, reason, I the reason I say that, here's okay. the reason I say that. The reason I say that is because the ones who are for Trump seemingly is one, you've got the Republicans, you got the, the ones on the right, but you've also got this um, energy within the Republican party that I've, I don't think this country has ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, chances are they they may never see again, um, or at least not for <laughs> for another two hundred and fifty years. You've got obviously the Republicans who are amped up to vote, and I think everyone is amped up to vote. I mean, we've got so many votes already, uh, and this is before election day, so I can only imagine. I mean, the the records are going to be blown out of the water. But I think people are coming out of the woodwork, and I think so many people are disgusted with a number of things. One, they're disgusted with how the the media has continued to portray the president and just continue to lie. And there's never been a lower amount of trust in the media than there is now. Um, and I think that they have gotten really sick and tired of this COVID-19 and the oppressive ways that especially... Uh, in comparison, but especially the Democrat leaders have really oppressed their own people by making it super restrictive. And I think a lot of people have sort of come to a realization like this, if this is a representation of the future of the Democrat Party, I want no part of it. So I think a lot of people are leaving that side. I think a lot of the the black population has, they took strong notice of how their lives were changed economically from the jobs uh, that were put in. Not only that, but also within the Hispanic population and the the female population. But also I was reading an article about the Asian population and how the Asian population voted extraordinarily in the favor of Hillary Clinton, but it looks like the numbers have dropped dramatically, still in the favor, um, like close, a little less than 60% for Biden. Um, but that's like a 20% drop in mm-hmm. going over into the Trump uh, campaign, right? So you've got that. You've got all of these unions that have always voted for the Democrat Party that are now moving towards the Trump administration. And I think that has a lot to do with the riots, um, especially the police unions. So they're all jumping on board with uh, President Trump. And I think yeah, at the I same heard enough. Philadelphia, the uh, the fire department union has uh, endorsed Trump. So that's what I'm saying. Like you've you've got that, and I think a lot of the libertarians or the independents have been watching as well. It's like Trump is not a typical Republican, not at all. 
And I think to an extent, uh, he's, he's, he's won a lot of those as well. Um, so I, I think that it's just a combination of absolute disgust of how the, the, how, how, and another thing is how far left the Democrat party has gone into socialism with the green new deal, um, and just the asinine demands. And somebody said this the other day on a podcast I was listening to, and obviously we're about to wrap up, but somebody said this the other day, you cannot call any nation, and this is in any nation, you cannot call the vast majority of a population racist and wicked and not expect there not to be some voting retaliation and be like, you can't, you can't call us racist and bigots and all of this stuff and think that we will vote for your party. Mm-hmm. It just will not happen. And so I think that that is, that will come into play. And then you had the Gallup poll the other day that came out. And even during this pandemic, as I think it was done in September of this year, even during the pandemic, the poll said, do you think that you are better off now, even during the pandemic, than you were four years ago? And 56% said yes. So I think there is just a lot there that point toward a just a landslide victory for Trump. And I think with the victory, however, and I, I, I think that I think the Republicans will probably win the, the House back and I think they will retain the Senate. Um, that's just the way I feel. And I would be I wouldn't be surprised at some some changes in California um, because there's been a lot a big push in California. Dude, the stuff that's been going on in these states that are typically blue. Mm-hmm. It's like people have come out of the woodwork because they're disgusted with with their with their governments, with their local and state governments. I just I, I I think that that is that's going to happen. But here's what people should be prepared for. I do anticipate mass mass chaos like we have never seen before. I do anticipate mass chaos in some of the larger cities, and I do highly recommend that. Come election day and after, people avoid going to the big city, whether it's, you know, wherever you are, especially like the places that have already started to have real bad stuff happen, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, you know, Los Angeles, New York, uh, even Dallas, uh, Austin, even you you need to watch out for that. Like all of these places, especially places, even Philadelphia, um, all of these places that have had people go crazy and um, bust up stuff and destroy things already, it will get worse. Um, and so I just ask that people avoid, maybe stock up on whatever it is that you need for a little while. Uh, not to be an alarmist, but I think it's just sort of a, the writing on the wall. You've got a mass movement of Marxist who have infiltrated this country. And I think there will be a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. And I think people need to be prepared for that. Um, and I'm not saying go out and, and buy bullets. You're probably not even going to be able to buy ammunition at this point in time because everything's out. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, they are out. They yeah. are out. I can tell you that But from, please, from experience. Yeah, but you need to be prepared for what will take place. And I it, look... If Trump wins, which I believe that he will, do not 
wear any Trump stuff. Not while the iron is still so hot. I just, that's from, just for people's protection. It's not saying you can't, you know, celebrate a, a win for your party. Um, and from what I, and you and I believe is the betterment of the future of this country by and large, but you gotta be safe. You gotta be, you gotta use some wisdom on, for your own protection. So, but that's my perspective. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, as always, man, this is, uh, one of our longest episodes and it's all going to be in one fell swoop. We're just going to play it all because obviously, you know, day before election day, it's a big day and hopefully everybody has listened in. And if you haven't voted, hopefully, uh, you will vote, um, conscious wise, uh, for your conscience and, you know, according to what you believe should be done in this country. Yep. Um, but this one is Proverbs 29 and two ending on a scripture. It says, show me a righteous ruler and I will show you a happy people. Show me a wicked ruler and I will show you a miserable people. And to an extent, you're like, well, why are we so miserable from my perspective? Because you can look at this and be like, well, this, you know, according to this, we're miserable right now because all this chaos is going on. That would mean that Trump is a is a wicked ruler. It's just like from my perspective, and I think probably your perspective, it is a cleansing of the corruption that has infiltrated and just been a part of the the federal government, even the state and local, but the federal government at such a high level. And for so long, I would say probably right post World War II, um, it's just continued to get worse and worse and worse, deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think that this is, we are experiencing the results of trying to clean out the system. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that. I, I do. I do. Yeah. I do. I'm just in kind of deep in thought about just what's what's going to lie ahead uh, this coming mm-hmm. week. Yeah. So everybody, please be safe. Um, and while you're stuck at home, staying safe, hang out with us. Watch what we do. Alan, where can people find us? They can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we have our own website, mm. www.thesonsofhistory.com. Um, I have not done my Tuesday Night History since I came back um, from my trip, uh, but you have had your Thursday Night uh, Live chats on Instagram. Correct. And you are still on the Epic Times, so. Yeah, lo and behold. But I haven't done anything since the letter to Governor Abbott, and okay. hasn't he hasn't responded? Anywho, uh, yeah. So you can check that out. And if you have any questions about the Electoral College, go check out one of my latest videos on the Instagram live chat uh, that I did about three weeks ago. Gave a rundown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you want to say bye bye? Have a good one, and we will, uh, next time we talk, hopefully we will know who the next president's going to be. That's right. See you.